May peace be with you. If you stick around at the end, there's more information about our community and how to find us. And now, here's this week's Centering Scripture, followed by the sermon. Our scripture reading this morning is from Matthew 2, 1 through 12. During the reign of Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, astrologers from the east came to Jerusalem asking, where is the child who has been born ruler of the Jews? For we observed his star in the east and have come to pay homage. When Herod heard this, he was frightened, and all Jerusalem with him, and calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people, Israel. Well, then Herod secretly called for the astrologers and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word so that I may also go and pay him homage. After their audience with the ruler, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star that they had seen in the east, until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with, with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. And then opening their treasure chests, they offered the child gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. All right, so I'm going to guess that on a Sunday like this, it's safe to assume that everybody here has heard about and perhaps just recently used holiday wrapping paper. <laughs> yes, we're all familiar with this. What do you know about holiday wallpaper? Now, I'm not about to share some strange anecdote about my daughter and I plastering our living rooms with used wrapping paper in an effort to extend Christmas, though now that I mention it, that does sound like a fun idea. Instead, I want to share an interesting story about an entire industry that works year-round to capitalize on the commercial Christmas season. That industry is the Hallmark Channel Christmas movie industry. Now, I don't know if folks here watch these movies or not, but I imagine that most here are familiar with the basic concept, a generic, wintry-themed romantic comedy of sorts, often taking place around Christmas. The stereotypical plot is something like, uh, you know, business corporate executive heads home for the holidays, 
Not because she wants to, but because she has to. Some family drama is emerging or something. Oh, but while there, our distracted corporate leader falls in love with a Prince Charming type who just happens to work at a local Christmas tree farm. <laughs> then you have your standard mix of will they, won't they, romantic comedy affair, and of course it all ends with some type of snowy Christmas miracle. Take this plot outline, swap out a few character names and wardrobes, and you've basically got 90% of these movies well covered. Now I share all of this after hearing a recent NPR report on the unique nature of the marketplace for these intentionally sappy, predictable movies that are churned out in incredible volumes. And there are two things that I found fascinating. The first actually takes me back to that season of Advent that we've been in, that season of preparation. In order to come out with scores of these movies every year, there is an entire industry that is constantly working away, generating new scripts and filming throughout the year, often in the summer, often in the northern reaches of Canada. And I found the stories fascinating about the lengths that they go to, of course using things like artificial snow, but winter coats that are packed with built-in air conditioners so that the actors are not overheating. In a sense, they are perpetually preparing for the season of Christmas that is to come, which is maybe what we are supposed to be doing as the church, being in a constant state of preparation, waiting in expectancy, knowing that the hope of God will continue to be born in our world. If I were giving this sermon a month ago, I would take time to really unpack that because there is something there. But I'm not giving this sermon a month ago. I'm doing it here now, and there's a more interesting lesson that I think takes place here, and it has to do with how this industry thinks of itself and how we, as a society, tend to view Christmas. You see, while the first half of that NPR report was detailing what it takes to shoot these Christmas-style movies year-round. The second half was a whole reflection piece about why these movies exist in the first place. Why are they so popular despite their cookie-cutter predictability? Well, it turns out that they are immensely popular not despite, but because of their cookie-cutter predictability. These movies are meant to function as a sort of holiday wallpaper. And they intentionally use that term, holiday wallpaper, something that is supposed to be always there in the background. They are so utterly replicable and replaceable that if you have seen one, then you have seen them all. And that is entirely the point. There are no can't miss moments. These are not stories that are meant to change you. What they do is provide a vaguely Christmas atmosphere without actually impeding upon your day. And look, I get it. The holidays are a busy time. 
It's nice to have a bit of atmosphere to set the scene or the season. And yes, for many of us, the whole story of Christmas is, is packed with familiar, comforting memories. It would be nice to kind of carry this gentle glow with us, but without having to, you know, change anything about who we are, how we go about our lives. But is that really what we want to boil down this grand story of our faith to? A bit of holiday wallpaper, something to occasionally see or notice in the background, a service perhaps to gather and share once a year and then come back to a year later. Now, to be fair, the Hallmark Channel is not claiming to be a rigorous faith community. It celebrates the commercial season of Christmas, not the gospel of God's liberating hope breaking into the world. But shows like these are popular for a reason. They reflect a society who longs for that vague Christmassy feeling and comfort but doesn't, want us to, to, but doesn't want it to interfere with our busy lives and plans. Friends, that may work for the Hallmark Channel, but it should not work for us. The Christmas story and the gospel itself are not meant to be holiday wallpaper. This is a story that we celebrate that is, yes, hopeful, familiar and comforting, but it is also a story that is deeply disruptive. It is the story of God breaking into the world, being born among us, a story and a presence that winds up shaking the lives of individuals and families and even empires. The Christmas story and the gospel itself is meant to be truly life changing. Consider this day the Magi and their, on all of their grand wisdom. What happens to them at the end of the story? They go home by another way. They have rooted all of their planning and studying towards this one moment and they go to find the one who is the Christ child and they have a vision, a dream, that changes something deeply inside them. We don't know what happens to them afterwards. But they go by another way. They turn. They change. We call that Epiphany Sunday. Because God has been revealed among them. And the whole world has changed. That is what we are celebrating this day, and my hope for this Sunday every year is that it is not a period at the end of the word Christmas, but it is an anchor that will help keep us and remind us of this holy story all the year round. Now, I'm not going to pretend for one moment that any of us here are having major life-changing moments happening every single year on Christmas. That's not how life works. That's not how faith and spirituality work. 
But the story does not have to engender a complete 180-degree life-turnaround type of moment in order to still have an impact on who we are and how we are in the world. While stories of faith or practices of, of prayer and spirituality, while they may occasionally point us to a new direction, what they more often do is remind us of the intentional direction that we are striving to lead our lives. These are stories and practices that root and anchor us in our identity if we allow them to. That certainly for me has been my personal experience with, with faith, with prayer, with, with things like therapy. It's not always a big life-changing moment, but is often a re-rooting type of moment. It gives us clarity about who we are and where we're heading. But the thing about roots and anchors is well, they require going below the surface. In other words, they are intentionally stories and practices that run deeper than wallpaper. They're not just there for show. It's not a background type of thing. There should be some type of disruption or at least some type of intentionality to push below the surface. And so this morning, as we do celebrate the lingering season of Christmas and receive the holy reminder of Epiphany's grand revelation, I invite us to take a moment to ask ourselves, has this whole season been simply a pleasant distraction, a festive wallpaper to get us through those first cold days of winter? Or have we encountered a life-changing, perhaps life-anchoring story that reveals to us how we are called to go about our lives. Friends, we have an entire new year to work out our own personal answer to that question. There's still time to find your root or your anchor, your practice of hope, as a part of this Christmas story. And I pray that God will help us to do so and that we will thereby live as the church and not as a holiday fad. Amen. As a church located on Lakota land in Minnetonka, Minnesota, St. Luke is a joyful, inclusive, intergenerational, and compassionate community on a spiritual journey, seeking to do justice, make peace, and to walk humbly with God. We invite you to join us live for virtual worship each Sunday morning on Facebook or YouTube, or by following the worship links on our website, stluke.mn. Thanks for listening. May you go in peace. <laughs>